0: I hate this town, I hate this fucking town I don't even want to be in this town and I know I are gonna leave this town going not take this town, I don't You know this town must be running its This fucking town, we can leave this town I'm walking on the grass and I've never seen this town She's got dreams too big for this town
1: Hello, and welcome to Garagero of this Town, a 2000 pop-punk and emo-pop retrospective. I am Elaine. I'm Fletcher.
2: And I'm Adam.
1: And today, we're here to talk about yet another pop-punk record from the current year, 1999, Phoenix DX by Phoenix DX.
3: The dumbest boys yet.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
2: Not to be confused with River Phoenix, which is the same band, but
0: before.
1: A reminder of what this podcast is, we have a giant spreadsheet with all the records that charted on the Billboard Top 200 records, classified as either emo pop or pop punk by Your Music. We currently have on our spreadsheet, in this giant retrospective of uh, 2000 pop punk and emo punk, going from 1999 to 2013, we have 408 records. We currently talked about four records. We are... 404 records left to tackle, for a total of 162 singular bands, which means that we tackled 1% of our spreadsheet so far.
3: Yay! Yay! Full digits!
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we are going on a retrospective of every single pop punk and emo pop record that charted from 1999 to 2013 for reasons. And today we come to yet another 1999 record, which is, as mentioned, Phoenix TX by Phoenix TX. Did any of you have any prior experience with this band or this record before this podcast?
3: Nope. Band, yes. Record, no. I did recognize their lone single off of this album. Did you see the movie the single is from? I did not know that, and in fact, I will have to look this up when we have some dead time in the middle.
2: I looked at the movie and then promptly looked away.
3: Oh, shit. Gasp. Okay. I instantly opened it and saw what it was about and called.
2: And then you looked away, right?
3: I'm definitely not going to watch that one for the show, let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> Me either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We may as well, we'll get to it in the single part. Yeah, we'll talk about it. hmm <laughs>
3: So, allow me to hone in on why I said these are the dumbest boys we've talked about yet. Phoenix TX originally formed as River Phoenix in 1995 in Houston, Texas. The formation had some early lineup changes, but it stabilized as a quartet of William Salazar on guitars and vocal, Damon LaPaz on guitars, Adam Lewis on bass, and Donnie Rays on drums. This will see no change up through the period we are going to discuss today, on their first album. Of note, they are not credited by these names on today's album. Instead going by, and this is real, Dumpster Damon, Adam Atomic, Donnie Vomit, and Will Powers.
2: Sighs.
1: We missed the chance to have, like, dumb nicknames for our introduction for this episode. There
3: is in no way... Any kind of dumb nickname I could give myself that is as good as Will Powers.
1: <laughs> Isn't that the name of, that Homer gets at some point in The Simpsons? Max Powers is who you're thinking of. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is a better name, let's be fair. Also, like, tag yourself. Which of the four are you?
2: <laughs> I think mine's obvious.
1: Yeah, I can't steal Adam Atom Atomic. Uh, I-, I-, I need to go with Donny Vomit because it's just, like, very not gross. Yoink, willpower's for me.
2: We need a fourth member of the podcast to be Dumpster Damon. (laughs) I'll bring in my little sister. It'll be fine.
1: I don't think, like, some of this records would be appropriate for your little sister.
3: (laughs) Eh, She's an infant. She doesn't know. Just don't listen to any words.
1: (laughs) Uh, I miss when I used to not listen to any words. (laughs) This was a bad one to start on, hon.
2: This was a bad one uh
1: anyhow the band started playing in a texas punk scene they're not from california yay eventually they published an ep with fud's gun record which i couldn't find any information on like you know how like the minor labels like that we encounter other times you could usually at least find information about them being like small diy label and so on I literally cannot find anything about Fuzz gun Record, which makes me once again assume they were like sort of like a DIY label managed by someone they knew, but who knows?
3: My name's Will Scratchums, and I'm the CEO of Fuzzgun <laughs> Records. 50, please.
1: You know, it's really interesting researching things from a pre-internet era, because, you know, who knows what Fuzz Gun Record was? It's not like, you know, you have archived web pages or like archive facebook pages where they promote themselves it's just like probably all the promotion that they did was on like flyers zines and stuff like that you know old people stuff
2: old people stuff
1: as someone who's been in a zine excuse me
3: (laughs) old people stuff
2: I mean, I've not been in a zine, but I have purchased one in my lifetime. It's not old people stuff.
1: Yeah, but that's because, like, they they had, like, a revival We're like... Pretty sure you didn't purchase a zine in the 90s.
2: Yeah, because that would make it old people stuff. I purchased one in the 2010s. Yeah, see?
1: I also used to purchase shareware
3: software, so, yeah. <clears throat> on CDs? No, on floppy disks. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> Love it.
1: Sure, I'm just gonna be (laughs) grandpa grumpy over here again. (sighs) I think the last time I used a floppy disk was in elementary school. Wait, no, probably in high school. Like, early high school, we had floppy drives. Mm. But that's because, you know, I lived in Italy, which is a technologically backward country. I still have floppy disks in this house. Oh, I probably do still have floppy disks in this house. I just don't (laughs) use them.
2: I've never touched a floppy disk.
3: (sighs) Okay. Okay. My heart just skipped a beat hearing that. Thanks. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. recording some more demos, Phoenix TX started talking to executives at Mojo Records, who, um, did not sign them. Wonder why? (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't give you any reason this music wouldn't lead a record label to go, man, I need that. But he did put them in contact with another guy who he thought was a complete sucker, Richard Reynas, who was about to start Drive Through
1: Records, a name that, again,
3: we will be hearing a lot about.
1: Yeah, they were actually, like, interns at Mojo Records They just decided to, like, split and form their own thing. We will talk a lot about Drive Through Records. Like, a lot of bands went through this label. River
3: Phoenix ended up being one of the first bands signed to Drive Through during its inception. So they released a self-titled album, River Phoenix, which is Almost all of the same songs that are on today's album, just in a rougher format. I think there's two tracks missing, and while I'm normally down to listen to early versions of these, I was not going to listen
1: to the same album twice. I'll do it for a couple of tracks. I tried to listen to a couple of these because I wanted to check some differences, but all of the ones that I was interested in checking differences weren't available online in the earlier version, so... Eh, so I didn't. I did listen to a couple of songs, and it's just like, yeah, this is the same thing, just mixed words. Let's just go right
3: ahead and say it. It turns out, naming yourself, even spelled differently, River Phoenix, will get you sued by the estate of River Phoenix. So there's a lot of legal trouble around this original album, and as a result, there probably aren't a lot of copies floating around, and
1: a lot of it would get taken down if put up on YouTube.
2: Mad
3: tracks.
1: River Phoenix by River Phoenix actually sold quite well for being one of the first records produced by Drive Thru they were literally like in the first like seven or eight bands signed by the label they had three runs of 5,000 units each totaling 15,000 units sold which again, Drive Thru at the time was run through those people Garages or whatever, so it's so an achievement, is something. People, for some reason, like this record. It, it was the 90s, it was different times. This should also put in perspective how last episode we talked about how Static Prevails sold only 5,000 copies while under Capitol Records, and it's like, oh, okay, this is. This is the difference. Like, a shitty, mediocre punk record sold to Drive through sold like 15,000, three times as much as l- major label-backed records. That's uh, the reason why Capital didn't really see any value in Jimmy Wood.
3: It does track when you put it in that perspective. Oops, your
1: album was a rounding
3: error.
2: Happens to the best of us. I
3: have definitely worked on albums that sold that little.
1: I mean, this tells us that objectively River Phoenix is better than Jimmy Eat World, right? I think that's the conclusion we're getting to here. Mm
0: -hmm. One
1: of these bands still exists today, which tells me a lot more. Mm -hmm. River Phoenix, right? Because they reformed recently. One
3: of these bands never had to break (laughs) up. There, I'm going to win this argument. (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening to a lot of Jimmy Eat World since our last recording. I just kept listening to the record that we talked about. It's so good.
2: I should listen to that record.
3: Yeah. I picked up a couple more since last time, so I'm ready for when we get to those. Nice.
1: Fucking, your new aesthetic, still a great song. And I'd rather, like, talk about that than this record here, but, you know, such is life. I enjoy a praise chorus. It's a very upbeat little peppy tune. Oh, also Sweetness, the single from the record after that. So good. Yep. <laughs> Anyhow, back to River Phoenix. Back to the bad stuff. Yeah. Anyhow, record does good. The bads leads to many, apparently. This is from what they say. I don't completely trust them, but from interview, they say that the buzz from this record basically led a bunch of major label or bigger indie label starting to be interested in them and asking to sign them, but drive-through still had them under contract and didn't want to dissolve the contract because you really don't want to let go of a um, prospect like River Phoenix. You really want to keep it close to your label there. you got to hold on to a 15k seller. And yeah, so a couple of years pass, they keep touring, they still have having these problems with drive through Basically, the band starts catching the eyes of a pre of the state Mark Hoppus. I think he was dating the sister of someone in the band or something. Mark Hoppus takes a liking on them and even starts managing them for a short while but there is this interesting interview that you can read with Phoenix TX when they're like, yeah, they started managing us and then overnight, Enema of the State was released and he was like this giant, huge pop star now. So that means that Mark Hoppos couldn't manage them anymore, but perks of having a giant pop star friend, once he became huge, he just got Phoenix TX on MCA, their label. Major, big selling label. And in order to do that, of course, MCA had to buy out their contract from drive DriveThru, which I'm assuming DriveThru got a lot of money from that because, you know, dealing with a major label. And uh, the band was forced to change their name because of other legal problem. Anyhow, River Phoenix was now Phoenix TX and was signed by a major label. Phoenix TX
3: by Phoenix TX comes out and it's... Just a re-recording of the last
1: album with a very minor trackless change. Yeah, they changed the order of the tracks, and also there are two new tracks, Flight 601 and Surf Sound. You can know that there are two new tracks because they're the ones that sound the most like Blink 182.
0: Tell me something!
1: Anyhow, there's a big single from this record. If anyone wants to talk about the big single?
3: I made the biggest on-mic noise. I might as well. So All My Fault is the sole single that came off of this record. As I said, I remembered hearing this on local radio at the time. Apparently, it was used as part of a TV movie called Jailbait that is about a... I forget if it was high school or college sophomore. Anyway, someone is accused of underage date rape, and that's fun. And this is what Phoenix TX was associated with to push their album. It
1: was a comedy.
3: That really does say so much about the 2000s that that counted as a comedy. It
1: looks positively awful.
3: I am a scholar of crap film and... I don't even know about this one, so that says quite a bit.
1: Well, it was an MTV Original TV movie, I think, if I remember correctly, which should say everything about it. That would also explain the connection. Yeah. The video features Mark Hoppus from Blink-182, he's their friend, but it's also like eating the biggest bowl of cereal in existence, which I find hilarious. It's not... Intentional, it's just like eating cereal out of this bowl that's clearly too large. Like, it's not something anyone would eat cereal from. It's funny. You also have Ali Purot Armstrong, Alicia Purot at the Times, which starred in the Jailbit movie, and she is featured in the video. She just sort of like dances around and shit. I mentioned this only because she'll go to be the Pink Ranger on Power Ranger SPD. <laughs> Fun fact,
3: there is a note here directly addressed to me that, in fact, are the Power Rangers are cops and therefore bastards? No. Short version of this, most of the time they are vigilantes. There have been a couple seasons where they have been rescue workers and ninjas more often than police. And there's actually a series that is all about Toku Cops called Space Sheriff. I forget the final part of the name, but it's, it's a little franchise that ran for years and stopped. So there is explicitly a Toku Kapsu show.
1: Okay, but Power Ranger SPD looks like a cop-themed Power Ranger, which I'm really not into.
3: That is one of them, yes.
1: Okay, cool, cool. So those specific Power Rangers are officially bastards. Yes, I will give you that. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Still an upgrade from being that MTV original movie. (laughs) Yes, uh no-
3: nobody on the Power Rangers SPD that I know of did anything involving the underaged.
2: <laughs> the fact that we have to like I I'm I'm very close to giving up, y'all.
3: I mean, we're only a month in. We've <laughs> got to be hitting the bottom of the barrel early before the genre takes off, right? No. Right? <laughs>
2: We're not... We're not
3: in for years of these stories on a regular basis.
2: <laughs> is this payback for making you feel old?
3: Nah, this is just me being a nerd to the horrors of our world. You get there.
2: I see.
3: Someday you'll have wrinkles, too.
2: <laughs> um, I'm working on that.
1: Anyhow... All My Fault didn't really chart anywhere, wonder why. Any Anyone has any theories on why it didn't chart anywhere, despite being in a big hitter movie like this one? Oh, we'll discuss the song soon enough and I'll tell you why. You might be noticing that we're trying to take time, because there's not much to talk about here.
3: Yeah. We can't see the final runtime of this episode, but I suspect, listeners, that it's uh, shorter by about a half hour than most of ours. There's really no meat on Phoenix TX's bones, because this is a band that did two albums, broke up, and then desperately tried to capitalize on a nostalgia wave very recently. To no
1: success. The second record of Phoenix TX, we don't even have the intro, it will be just like a 30 minute episode. Yeah, nobody's interviewing Phoenix TX about their second album. There's nothing to research. Well, one of the interviews that I linked was actually about their second album. <laughs> it,
3: it was just a joke. I, know. I I figured there was something. Pitchfork would have been around by then.
1: Pitchfork is not interviewing Phoenix TX? There was an interview with Phoenix
3: TX on Pitchfork today, I read. Really? <laughs> yes. I think I can find it in my history. Hold on.
1: I would... Why? That's very not a Pitchfork band. <laughs> No, apparently I dreamed
3: it because I can't find it now.
2: Happens to the best of us.
3: In fact, searching Pitchfork Phoenix TX brought me churches performing on a Pitchfork concert. How? What? Yeah. I mean, I like churches. Same, but I have no idea how. I think I fell asleep listening to this and dreamed an interview.
1: <laughs> we're, just, we're just four weeks in. We cannot be going insane this early in the podcast.
2: But what if we started already insane?
1: To be fair, this
3: is the most offensive and nothing record of all.
1: I would like to note my final note where I mentioned that this hides its awfulness under a thick, thick layer of mediocrity.
3: That's a very good description of this album because Lit went out of its way between other tracks. I have multiple songs on this that I just straight up wrote nothing for because I couldn't think of anything to say other than this is what I worried that I was going to hear 17 albums of.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're worried substantiated, if that's the word. <sighs> so let's talk about
3: Phoenix TX's highest peaks. The record sold pretty all right, coming very close to breaking the top 100 on Billboard's charts at 115, and it stayed for two whole months. The band had enough momentum to follow this with a fairly successful tour with Newfound Glory, Uh, someone who was helping me do research into the genre earlier today told me they saw them live, and that tour was terrible, but they at least enjoyed the newfound glory (laughs) half. Okay, that's fair. Uh, They would also be on, surprise, surprise, the Warp Tour. And in the aftermath of this album, their drummer would leave and caused some shuffling in the ranks that led to future Man Without Hats guitar player James Love coming aboard. With an okay selling record and an okay performing tour backing them, they headed off to record their second record. But us, we're trapped in 1999, and let's talk about Phoenix
1: DX by Phoenix DX. <sighs> I'm going to say the first three tracks are probably the least awful tracks on this record. Somehow, yes. I, I actually think, we'll, well, we'll get to this, it's the third track, I think, actually think third song is the only song that I will define as, like, actually not bad.
2: <laughs> We're going to have to disagree on that one.
3: I do have thoughts about Surf Song, which is more than I can say on a few of
1: these tracks. But yeah, we'll we'll get there. Good point. So we start with Flight Six Hundred One. Olaf got his time. It starts slow, but this is not like it does the thing. Like I say, that this is obviously one of the songs recorded later because this does the blink thing, where it has a slow theme riff theme thing going on. And it starts off with that, and you're expecting it's just an intro, but then it's sort of like repeated throughout. Shrug Emoji. It's chorus-oriented punk. Um, this is the poppiest song I think we had on the podcast so far. It's, it's a song. It sounds more like Blink-182 than Blink-182, I'll be honest.
3: The only two things I wrote were, This is the track I worried I was going to hear a hundred times by the point in the podcast. And the random plinking in the background at times make it sound like there's one guitarist
1: too many. It's not even consistent. There's just occasionally. Yeah, this is this is what Blink One Eighty Two did to Punk Flash. <laughs> Their fault. I just don't know why it sounds like someone accidentally
3: wandered in with a Spanish guitar on one verse. And it's early. It's not even the close.
2: For fun because they don't know how to make good music.
3: It's a, it's incredibly strange, and I just remember, like, rewinding again. Did I hear that? I did hear that.
2: My, my thoughts on the song, as I was listening to it, were like, huh, you know what? This isn't good, but it's good adjacent. Like, I can theoretically picture how, like, you know, some punk teenager might be like, hey, I kind of like this. But that's about it.
3: I think this does have to crack my top three, though, just because everything else is so bad. And this is perfectly okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The lyrics don't make me want to die, so, you know, that's good.
3: Yeah, there's really nothing to the lyrics on this. This album is incredibly thin lyrically, unless it's
1: leaning hard into Edgelord territory. Lots of songs about relationships. Lots of them.
2: They should stop having those. (laughs)
0: Let it get correct and merely a right am doing everything I can to conserve the best. So I'm nothing but a bullock grins in this United States crowd crowd makes me sick. People tell me, don't hey, make a for mistake, because that's the only way you're going to get out of this. Town. I'm going to try and try and try to do all that I can, but I'll never understand. I'm a bit of a wage like it's a fight this day and age.
3: Hey, so remember back on that. Episode zero, when I tried to uh, suggest that Sublime's misguided politics were the lead in to a lot of pop punk covering politics. Yeah,
1: that's the next song, isn't it? Let's talk about minimum wage. Let's! It's time for Phoenix DX to get political.
0: <sighs>
1: this song starts in a
3: completely reasonable place with. The man is keeping me down, I can't get a better
1: job than minimum wage, I can't
3: live on this. But by the end No, of no, it... no, no,
1: no, no, Fletch, Fletch. This song starts with the line politically correct and mentally erect. I'm gonna cut you off there for a second. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, the tone what it's discussing
3: begins in a place that is actually a little prescient. They would not do this song two years later, I guarantee. It starts with, Life ain't nothing but a bowl of grits, and this United States proud crap makes me sick. That's a thing that you would not hear in the aftermath of 2001.
2: At the beginning, you're like, okay, okay, and then you're like, oh, you were so close to getting it. So close, but you took a wrong turn there.
1: uh, This song makes me surprised that they're friends with Mark Hoppus and not Tom DeLonge, because uh, it goes places. Yeah,
3: let's talk about the third act twist, which is right after a chorus talking about how home of the free, land of the brave, it's guaranteed I'm making minimum wage. I'll take a work strike over a tax hike any day of the year. Suddenly it's, give me a gun, let's go get the president. Oh, wait, he's protected by aliens. Guess this is all worth nothing. (laughs) That's not a joke. They very... Just... Let's shoot the president. Oh, no, moon men. Well, this sucks. This is the most sublime ass, I don't know what politics are, but I'm gonna say big people words song we've heard.
0: Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. I can't make
2: that up! Like I said... They were very close to getting the point, and then they took a wrong left turn into... Buddy, what are you even talking about?
3: Yeah! It comes this close to actual commentary and does a hard swerve.
1: It's weird. Why why is Vince Russo booking this record? (laughs) I understand that joke. (laughs) So... You know what? I would take a Vince Russo pop-punk album. Yeah. You remember when in TNA Samoa Joe was suddenly abducted by Ninja, and then they forgot about the storyline, and he came back a couple of months later with no explanation? He was just back? They referenced that a few weeks ago. Where did they reference that? On Impact. Oh, neat. I'm not watching Modern Times Impact. Yeah, that actually got a callback recently. Cool.
3: TNA put out one of the best wrestling shows of the weekend. I can't
1: believe I'm saying that. Did they already have Slammiversary? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard good thing, people. I I don't follow Impact anymore because, you know. All... All the people in my circle who are
3: still, like, diehard, I-need-anything-but-WWE-wrestling fans watched that. A few of them picked up the pay-per-view, and they're like, oh, wow, this is really good. Oh. Like, the women's division is on fire.
1: Neat. I stopped watching Impact when Billy Corgan half-bought the company, and it was like, "Yeah, not supporting that guy. That's two owners ago now.
3: <laughs> That's not a joke. Oh, also, for those of you who don't know, Billy the Smashing Pumpkins Corgan did own the TNA wrestling promotion briefly, and then not. And he's currently trying to sell the one that he bought afterwards when he got
1: bought out. Yeah, and he is also um, Infowars fucking conspiracy nut, which you shouldn't support. Oh yeah, he's a real piece of shit, but boy, it was probably one of the
3: funniest heel turns in wrestling is... Everyone going, yeah, we took your money, but you actually don't own enough. Get out.
1: Anyhow, we should talk about this record, River Phoenix. No, Phoenix TX by (laughs) Phoenix TX.
3: (laughs) Yeah, this one is all Phoenix TX because this is the other new track, Surf Song.
1: alright. Honestly, surf song made me think the lyrics weren't going to be that bad, because surf song is just about them wanting to be surfing. It's very quaint. It's not fine.
3: Yeah. When the lyrics aren't offensive, as I said, very thin lyrically, most of these are just one sentence repeated over and over as a chorus. This one is, I want to surf. I would like to go surfing.
2: I wish I was cool. I wish I was surfing.
3: I'm actually a little angry that they called something Surf Song and it has no surf rock influence on it. Just, like, a little bit of different guitar, please.
2: I'm I'm still stuck on the part where they said, if Keanu can do it, then I can too. Because, pals, you're not Keanu. (laughs) You're never gonna be Keanu.
1: (laughs) Hey, they remade Point Brank and that guy wasn't Keanu either. I cannot see an alternate future in which... Cyberpunk 2020, wherever, features Phoenix TX as their big guest star. Do you know what I'm actually
3: kind of surprised by thinking on it, now that you've pointed this out? What? How is it that we do not have more bad AAA video games that throw money at a band to do a single for it? Because the only two I can think of offhand are The Time Paul McCartney Was in Destiny (laughs) and... The time the Huba Stank Guy was in Sonic Forces.
1: I didn't know about the second one. <laughs> what? Oh
3: yeah, he he di- he did a single for uh, Sonic Forces. Here, one second, I'll pull it up and have it for you later.
1: Wait, but also Sonic Forces came out like two years ago. Huba Stanks wasn't relevant at the time. <laughs> no, they weren't! This Sonic Forces song is really awful, but also really good.
3: It actually rules when you're running up a pyramid with lasers being shot at you as you high-five Sonic.
1: I need to play Sonic Forces. It
3: looks great. It has a a create-a-character mode where you get to make your fursona out of all the animals in the Sonic world. It's pretty fun. Isn't the plot like trying
1: to be really dark, which I find always amusing?
3: It's incredibly... Grim in the dumbest ways in that it starts with Sonic having been kept in jail on the death egg for three years Which is why your OC has to be there for the breakout.
1: I'm sorry everyone (laughs) for All of these digressions. I'm not sorry. This record is not really good Uh, Everyone everyone should play Sonic Colors. That game is amazing generally not not in ironic way Sonic Colors best Sonic game of the series I would, say, I would say Mania. I played Mania after Colors, and I was thoroughly disappointed by Mania. I should play Mania in a vacuum, but I liked Colors way more than Mania. Let's put it this way. I think it's going to come down to how much you like the 3D stuff. Oh, I love the 3D stuff.
3: And I also think that Colors has a lot of great stuff. I think Colors is top three. I think whatever you put in first place comes down to your taste in Sonic. That is fair.
2: My favorite is uh Sonic Pinball.
3: Okay. I don't know, I don't know if you're joking or not.
2: <laughs> I am mostly joking.
1: I think it is a joke because it's Sonic Spinball. It is, and it's one, and it's one of the worst pinball games I ever played in my life.
3: I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. It also can't keep a consistent frame rate.
1: <laughs> That's the problem. Just like a really slow pinball game.
2: Which is perfect when you're, like, you know, five and you don't know how to play video games.
3: That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's completely reasonable.
2: It's been a while since I've played a Sonic game, can you tell?
1: It's fine. We're, this, this is not a Sonic podcast, despite what you could think. No, I, I edit that for another network. Really? Yeah. Neat. What, what podcast is it? Plug it here. I support Sonic fans all over the world. It is not currently live.
3: It is called Fast Hogs and Chili Dogs.
2: I love Th- it. That's a
3: great title. Three thumbs up. I suspect the title was created and that's why the whole thing exists. <laughs>
2: <laughs> With a title that good, sometimes you have to create content for it. I
0: guess we've had our fun, but it seems the fun is over now and that's over.
1: We should talk about All My Fault, which is the big thing of, quote unquote, big from this record. I did turn this on and
3: go, oh, I remember this back in the day. I would change the channel when I heard this. Valid. At this point, I was still okay with this album. I was like, you know, this album is quick tracks. This is all right, whatever. But this was also the track where I looked up what everyone's age was. About 25, doing the pity me wha" thing.
2: Except for like they listening to this song, I'm like they don't sound particularly sorry in any way, shape, or form. It
1: sounds sarcastic, but I'm not sure that's how it's meant to come off.
2: Yes.
3: I think the entire energy of this song is, okay, those are my dipping mustards, but go off.
2: (laughs) I don't understand that. Me neither.
3: There's a tweet that became a thing that's just, you know, wife yelling at husband. How is it there are three jars of mustard in this house, you know, completely normal? And the husband's just like, uh, those are my dipping mustards, but go off. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the vibe I get out of this. It's like, well, of course this is stupid, but Thanks.
1: There is, yeah, I don't know. I feel, once again, there is some ludonarrative dissonance here where I feel the lyrics are very self loading and whiny, but the song is really bouncy and happy, so.
2: It, didn't, it doesn't even sound self loading and whiny, like it.
1: Sarcastic is a good word for it.
2: Sarcastic is a good word for it.
1: Also, this made me realize how fucking plain the production of this record is. Like, they literally, like, put a microphone in front of them and said, go. Like, you know, you have, like... Even the Blink record had a lot of, like, cool production flares that gave a bit of texture, a bit of depth to the sound. It wasn't huge, but it made the sound, you know, be radio-friendly and it made... Soundier? <laughs> yeah, it made the sound more soundier. It made the sound have a bit of nuance to it. This is just, like, you know, three cards and the truth... Lacking truth, mostly. Just three chords and a microphone. It made the sound soundier is a pretty good line. I have to give you that. Like, this song could have used some, like, uh, some choruses, some, like, you know, some backing vocals, some fun stuff going on.
3: I'm gonna throw this out there. If this album had a horn player, they would at least have something
1: distinctive with Ska influence. Hmm. Yeah. I mean... I'll be honest, anything is made better by a hard player on it.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree.
1: I will give you that because I think the lone good Red Hot
3: Chili Peppers song in the past 15 years was the one that just has a trumpet breakdown in the middle for no reason.
2: Do you need a reason for a trumpet breakdown, though?
3: (coughs) What song is that? Torture Me off Stadium Arcadium. Just in the middle of the song, there's just... And it's uncommented on, and it goes back to the song. Let's talk about Jolly Green Dumbass. This
1: is just damn this really is. <laughs> you just want to go, I, I need to go there, I can train in the middle of this. <laughs> I was thinking things like this track or
3: Dump Weed, you're right, or What's My Age Again really did brain damage an entire dipshit generation.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> the whole message of this song is how dare you grow about your friends and loved ones. I mean, the whole thing is just We split apart because you're not staying in adolescence like I did. This, all of this, is what led to the 2000s era term, one of the stupidest things ever, South Park Republican, a generation of young men who got their politics from a cartoon that made fart jokes. And thought that they were wise and scholarly because things had to be in the middle. Uh. Yeah. Caring Sucks, the generation...
1: Honestly, it's so fucking sad because I think South Park has some actually really well-constructed humor in some things, but it's not politically intelligent in any way at all. But yeah.
3: I forget where I was having this discussion, but yes, I I would be lying if I said I did not enjoy some of their early stuff before politics became a consideration. There's there's some very good absurdist humor to begin
1: with. Like, there's the whole episode, it's just like, um, it's like a fan footage parody, but it's just like giant, like hamster or whatever, which is generally like, it's not political at all. And it's just like weird and funny and like, like the the two Stone and Parker are like, they have horrible politics, but they're good at building a joke. Yeah. They have good comedic sense and that makes it even sadder. I kind of think that's why a lot of their movies, Problematic or Not,
3: still make me laugh. Hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, this this is definitely the kind of song that plays to that mentality.
2: Unremarkable. Oh, things are so hard. The three lines that I actually heard while listening to this were, You always kick and scream so hard. What can I do to calm you down? Why do you make things so hard? Like, sounded a lot more like somebody who's annoyed with, like, a small child throwing a temper tantrum than anything that they were trying to do, I'm sure.
3: (laughs) It it really is just, how dare you grow up? It's a subgenre in (sighs) pop-punk.
2: It's not a good subgenre.
1: I'll note because despite how awful the lyrics are, I need to be there and talk a bit about how it sounds musically. This songs has um they have some effects on the voice, which is finally a break from the sameness of this record. I don't think it saves the song. it's just like, huh, you made it. This sounds a bit different. Thank you for not you know just making all of this into a sludge of guitar But yeah, it's very boring, the chorus is all right, but they're basically like, they're basically Offspring 186. They're like, some other songs sound very Offspring, other songs sound very Blink, and they all sound like the worst songs those band made. They don't have the, you know, the sharp, melodic, like, talent that Offspring had on Americana for making like, neat choruses and energetic sounding music. They're just they're taking that stylings and not doing anything with them and it's pretty boring. I'll be I honest. think the
3: most damning
1: thing we can say about Phoenix
3: TX is they released this, were friends with the Blink 182 guys, were in the genre as a rising tide lifted every idiot with two guitars and a nasally voice, and they still only got two records
1: and vanished for 14 years.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's...
1: To be fair, they mentioned that they split for creative differences. I didn't know they were creative in any way, so I don't know how you can have creative differences without any creativity.
2: <laughs> Maybe one of them secretly was creative and was like...
3: Oh, no. Have you never heard the most nuclear level burn about that phrase? No. No. It is when you say you have split for creative differences... And whichever party can drop this line first wins, which is, I was creative, they were different.
1: <laughs> Good. Uh. Good. Next up, GBOH.
0: Sometimes I think of what I could have been, and then I kicked myself, knowing that I've been dead up. Just like him, and so the times it does it. With him, Dad, be no one in our
3: way. Oh boy! Who wants to reveal the dark secret of this track? I guess it's me. You can. I can look at my notes and see the instant I realized where this went, because at first it's. I can't remember the last time I heard someone say Tiggle Biddies used in any sincerity. And then there's just an all-caps WHAT. Yep. And that's where I started looking up the lyrics because I thought I heard this wrong, but no. This song is, we
1: killed your stepdad because he saw us fucking, now what do we do? Yep. My note on this is, is this song about what I think it's about? And then I go to the next song. That's not a joke. It's straight up, father comes in while they're
3: banging, hits the girlfriend. The whole chorus is... Involuntary self-defense, call it what you will, how can we go on? Where do we go from here?
2: Not to mention the part where he says, I'm going to kill your mother's fucker with a Louisville slugger, which, you know, that speaks for itself.
3: The whole track ends with, I murdered your dad with a bat. Now what? Where do we go from here is just said over and over and over. Yep. That, yeah. I really have
1: nothing else. They reference Judas priest, yep. breaking the law, breaking the law. <sighs> it's it's kind of
3: horrifying that they could swing for the fences like this no pun intended and still
1: say nothing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right, let's talk about Ben. We need to talk about Ben. This is the one that's
1: either about suicide or drug addiction. I can't tell. I don't know. I zoomed out for this one.
2: I didn't hate this one, but was still so shaken from the last song that I couldn't find it in me to, like, enjoy it or anything.
3: Fastest song on the album. It stands out a little for that. I probably give it my third place, but it's got that whole... The person writing lyrics is not good at their job thing? Because...
2: Yeah, well...
3: <laughs> I have these lyrics in front of me, and I still can't tell if this is supposed to be about suicide or addiction. You ask for my advice, and then you take a different road. You traveled all oh so far, left everyone who cared far behind, left us all behind. How could I ever save you? The only thing I'd done is cared. Never knew what you were thinking on that night. You saw him on the road, took the angel for the ride. He gave you confidence as you yearned for your own praise. Then they took your soul away. I don't like this could go either way.
2: It did not occur to me that this could even be about drug addiction. But I have a lot less experience with that. So, you know,
3: it's it definitely seems to end in a death. I just can't tell if it's addiction killed you or you killed yourself because something it just stops Yeah. now it seems like it's too late well okay thanks, thanks for that but yeah musically, again, made my top three just because it does have a harder, faster sound than anything else on this album
1: I mean, this is the one that sounds the most like Offspring that's a good point. My first note on this is like, this is just the kids aren't all right, isn't it? The kids aren't all right
3: landed its points, though. we Uh, we were going to be bland on Speechless.
1: Uh, Okay, my note on this is this is probably awful lyrically but I don't have the energy to process it. GBOH just exhausted me for two tracks. Just like stunned me. Speechless
3: is the second longest track on the album and yet it pretty much sums itself up in the incredibly often repeated there's nothing left to say. (laughs) <laughs> that's it. Like that's yeah. the chorus. It is repeated over 12 times. And this is yet another bad breakup song that's like I This is the mopey version of my own worst enemy. <laughs> no it is. I never I, mean, I this, never said a thing this... to hurt you. It's what I didn't say that made you cry. It just keeps going on. It's A Bad Breakup, I'm a Bad Boyfriend song.
1: Do you remember how good My Own Worst Enemy was? Not lyrically, but like, do you remember how catchy it was? How pleasant it was to listen to the song? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to give Lit
3: a lot more credit because I thought, oh yeah, a lot of people are just going to be kind of shitty with good hooks. Oh, oh, the good hooks are rare. (laughs) Yeah. At this rate, Lit's gonna be in the top five of this show for a while.
1: (laughs) I mean, they are currently in the top two for me.
3: (laughs) I I get it, yeah. It's just kind of a surprise, because again, I only knew them as that band that performed the worst concert I ever saw.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you never saw a Phoenix DX concert. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Fortunately, there are many horrible, horrible things that you didn't have to see in person.
3: And it's not like I know I'm going to come off as a woke scold all the time on this show, but I've referenced Custom's Hey Mister positively. It's not like I'm saying every song has to be squeaky clean and upbeat.
1: Look, I love My Own Worst Enemy. I don't, uh, There are problematic aspects that we can talk about. The problem is that this record is really boring to listen to. It
3: really The hooks
1: is. just don't work. Half of the songs have like the, the the early punk thing, where the hook is just the sentence and it's not hooky at all, and the other half has just like very boring hooks. The production isn't there, it doesn't drive the music home, it doesn't enhance anything, it's just like they put a microphone in front of these dudes and let them go. They are not smart songwriters, they are not composing anything particularly catchy, this has no very little energy, they don't have the energy of someone like Offspring, this record is just very mediocre, and I'm, I wouldn't be as angry as I am right now if the lyrics weren't also reprehensible, because this, if you take anything out, this is a mediocre record that you will listen to, never listen to again, but you don't particularly care, but then you have to have this lyrics on these things, and the worst things will come out. As we go through the second half, but. uh. It's kind of amazing because if we didn't have GBOH in the middle of
3: this, we would basically just be bored until we get a little further in. Yeah. Speaking of, I think the next track is possibly where I fell asleep the first time because I listened to this hours ago and. I listened to this twice, trying to find anything to hold on to in philosophy. I I have listened to philosophy repeatedly under two hours ago. I can't think of anything. Halfway through the second time, I started looking on bookstores online to see if there were any philosophy through pop-punk guide. Sort of like how there's, you know, learn philosophy through Final Fantasy or Batman or whatever. <laughs> Nothing. Is that a thing? Oh, you've never... Oh. Okay, so... I guess that's not as common knowledge. All right, I, I minored in philosophy. I knew it was not a major, but I I loved the topic. I wanted to listen to it. Anyway, the reason I minored in it is because even as a youth, I knew better that you can't be a philosophy major unless you want to be a philosophy teacher or write one of these hack books about pop culture and philosophy. And every time something breaks out into the mainstream, there will be a new one. There was Breaking Bad and Philosophy. There's Final Fantasy and Philosophy with a Karl Marx's head on a Moogle on the cover. <laughs> there, like These are real. These all exist. <laughs> oh, the Dark Knight Philosophy, Batman Philosophy... Um, Game of Thrones and philosophy. What you can do as the most one oh one intro to various concepts and thinkers through the lens of anything people would be more familiar with. Somehow there's nothing like that for pop punk.
1: Was this the equivalent of what we have today in the form of really pretentious, shitty video essays with like stock background music, lower effort, even lower effort than that? Wow.
3: Yes. I guarantee if I were to look up reviews of any of these, you would actually lose IQ points for a day. Because anyone who gets one of these and is passionate enough about it to leave a comment talking under the book's store page is the kind of person you never want to discuss philosophy with in your life.
2: Lose more IQ points than we've already lost today listening to this album?
3: This has definitely caused me to stretch my brain trying to think of any way to describe this that was not just, it's all the same, oh god, it's all the same, I am trapped in a Nine Inch nail song.
1: Yeah. I mean, philosophy is just like a worse version of Blink-182 Damn It. Whenever I try to remember this song, my brain just goes, I guess uh, this is growing up. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like the, the, my brain didn't retain this song because it just, it just went, oh, you already listened to the song. No need to keep this in here. This is a black hole of a track.
2: See, that's funny because I to listen to this now I'm just like, huh, you know, this isn't as bad as the rest of them.
1: Not bad. It's just nothing. <laughs> yeah, this is b- a blank space.
2: Mm, that's fair.
1: Not to be confused with the Taylor Swift song, Blank Space, which yesterday I discovered was written by Max Martin, which explains why I love the song.
2: Huh. It's also totally about Death Note, according to popular internet conspiracy theory.
1: I don't believe that for a second.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Me either, but it's fun to think about.
1: Uh, do we have anything else on philosophy? Like, the the subject in general?
2: It's another one of those songs where I listen to it and I'm like, ah yes, I can see how this would appeal to, like, a slightly dumb teenager.
3: <laughs> This is the first one I discussed with the younger sister who went to the Warp Tour, whose story I told a few recordings back, and she did say, I remember enjoying it as a kid, but I know you are going to hate this album. And she was right. That was No Lie, just like the next track on this album. <laughs> Boo. Oh, don't Boo. be mad that I have a gift for this after 12 years of podcasting.
2: I... I appreciate your efforts.
0: Why? I not lie.
3: Why? The first half of this very short song has a lot of good energy because it's just music, no lyrics. And then it immediately tanks and
1: goes into a why me, I'm so great anthem again. So, like, the interesting thing of this song is this is like a, like a two-minute dumb nugget of a song. It's just, like, short, dumb, stupid, not particularly catchy. But even though it's just two minutes, they manage to just cram in a random bridge with a tempo change in the middle that sounds nothing like the rest of the song. And it's just like, you know what? I like this. I don't like this, but in reading on a curve, I think this is the most interesting thing that Phoenix TX wrote in their whole life.
2: Weirdly enough, this song is not listed on the track list for the Phoenix TX page on Genius Lyrics.
1: Uh, I think you just said they have like four different listing of the track list on Phoenix um, Genius, so I'm gonna link it to you.
3: Do we have anything else about this? Because then we have a real weird one next time.
1: I mean, do you, did you have anything else about the lyrics? I, just, I don't remember the lyrics. I just remember this being actually like, they did one, one interesting thing musically in this record, and it's the song. Okay, so there's a thing that keeps coming up
3: in the lyrics on this, and it's a very baby's first songwriter. Three or four different tracks talk about how Why didn't I lie to you? I'll tell you the lie. It's This guy has the very weird lens on the world that that's a common enough thing he thinks it needs to be said regularly.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, we didn't find any allegations against this person, so... No, that's because they would have needed groupies. (laughs) God...
3: No one was a Phoenix TX fan. Their own mothers wouldn't show up to their show with performances like this.
2: I mean, I hope not.
3: These guys are the TNA Impact handing out tickets in a Denny's parking lot and still playing to an empty crowd of papered punk.
1: <laughs> this is a very angry episode from
3: us. This isn't an even angry... of the time for me so much as I just need anything to get my hooks into and chew. And speaking of chewing, let's talk about Apple Pie Cowboy Toothpaste, which seems like it's going to be a much more monkey cheese zany track.
2: I was so excited because that's such a funky little name. I'm like, Apple Pie Cowboy Toothpaste? That's... Pulling random words out of the dictionary. That's fun. And then I listened to it and I was like, ah, <laughs> I crave death now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the subtitle of the episode. River Phoenix by River Phoenix. I crave that now. <laughs> At first,
3: I was like, oh, this sounds almost like a song. This is very different. And then I realized it's them doing a weird cover of America the Beautiful. And then it turns into their music.
1: Honestly, that one line that I think we're dancing around just erased everything else that I thought about this song. Yeah. (laughs) Which one are you talking about?
3: Is it the pissing on my lawn?
1: No, the one in the first verse.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean. This is definitely the most outright, let's get lit with it track on the album. It's very angry. Interestingly enough, I think this is the only track on the album that mentions anyone getting drunk other than maybe GBOH saying your father drinks. Hmm. Like, this is the only thing that sounds like it was written by someone over the legal drinking age. Oh, I thought you were
1: implying they were straight edge. No,
3: no, like, <laughs> it, when I was listening to this track the first time, and it's like, that drunk ass bitch uh, gets another case of Michelob, and it's like, wait a second, you. This is the only time I've heard any reference to alcohol that actually registered with me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we should also talk about the real problem with this track is that it's trying, it's talking about the main character, assuming the singer of Phoenix TX, given that it's the one exposing this lyrics in the first person, trying to get it on with a person under the legal age of a lot under the legal age, which not okay it's not okay at all wait where's where's that part in the first verse the lyrics i
3: found do not have that i see how many wrong turns can i make i'd give a million dollars just to see her smile on top of me i don't see anything about
1: i never liked the drunk ass 12 year old Bill anyway is that oh I-, I don't see 12 year old in these lyrics oh no definitely says that It also says that in the the, the record.
3: Okay, so here's the... Do you have a copy of the full lyrics? Because I have what's clearly copied and pasted across 20 sites. Because I went hunting trying to find out what the rap breakdown in the middle of this says. And everything just lists it as, I suspect this came out of liner notes... Insert hi-fi, hardcore, super-dupa, fly, gangster rap here. This also has the rap breakdown yeah. lyrics. Hey, thank you. Let me look at this, because I was trying to figure out... Okay. Yep! Okay, that explains... I thought this was bad, and when you were talking about it, I thought the incredibly bad rap break was what you were talking about, or maybe the piss in a... Wow. Yep. This recontextualizes a lot. Yeah. Cause yeah, I missed that going, wait, did I hear that? I'm definitely gonna need lyrics for this, and I never found a complete set. Well, holy shit.
2: Yeah. Yep. What this is why I crave death, Fletch.
3: Okay, it's censored. It's censored. That's why I didn't hear this, because they just do a I-never-like-that-drunk-ass-r-anyway. ass roar anyway.
1: is not censored on Spotify. You can go listen to it now.
3: <laughs> that explains a lot about why I didn't know about this lyric. Yeah, for some reason, their YouTube channel only has a radio edit. For
1: some reason. Well, yes, but still... <laughs> I can think of many reasons why you wouldn't have this line in, the, in your YouTube channel. How about
3: this? Phoenix TX not only sucks ass, but are also cowards for refusing to put an uncensored version of their tracks
1: on their own channel. If you wrote it, own it. Remember that you thought when Tom the Lounge was going to be our nemesis? This was just like two weeks ago. <laughs> <sighs> I am amazed at the... Very,
3: very many incorrect guesses I have had about where we were going on this show. <laughs> wow. Okay, that recontextualizes
1: a lot of this song. Yeah. Yep. Wow. This is about the finger of River Phoenix, or Phoenix the X, wanting to get it on with a minor.
3: <laughs> also, this rap breakdown is still god-awful. It is!
2: It really is.
3: Like, we cannot overlook how bad it is, especially in the wake of everything else that has just come up. But
1: I, I think it was meant to be a parody of rap breakdowns, but, you know, that doesn't excuse it from being garbage.
3: <laughs> it's trash. And again, it's not like, by this point in time... There were not white rappers who had done many better things than this. I, I'm just saying, like, this is so bad. This is straight up rap song, rap song, rippity rip rip rap song for a solid minute.
2: It, it, it depletes my will to continue existing on this planet.
3: And then I got to Jean-Claude Transam. This is the incel anthem. Not having the context on the last one, this is the one that raised all my hackles.
2: See, I didn't see this as an incel anthem because I interpreted it as the fact that they had had sex. And if you're an incel, you don't have sex.
3: Don't hold it against me, but in the heat of the passion, I forget to sympathize with your virginity. How can I sit still every time you're near me? And how can I forget? You're always reminding me
2: definitely interpreted that as the speaker having done physical harm to a girl while betting her and then her not wanting anything to do with him after that and him still creeping on her constantly because, you know, creep.
3: Yeah, especially closing with, I'll wait for the day that I can hear you say, call me if you need some. Like, this, this whole thing reads as a weird fantasy of that pure girl who
1: you want to have sex with. Yeah. I would just read my notes on this, which are... Exasperated noises. You know, I started this podcast because I wanted to talk about catchy music, and yet here we are, talking about the shite lyrics. It's quite bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, this, this, this one, if uh, I hadn't listened to the last song, this one definitely... <laughs>
1: it's a whole thing. It gross. A lot of this music is growth, And not like in the, you know, edgy punk way. This is just growth. in, uh, I don't want to talk with these people ever in my life way. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Just to
3: put the whole context of this time period in... Stark relief. None of this stood out for anyone to the point that it was really getting discussed.
1: Well, or maybe if like people complained, it was just like such a fringe thing culturally that no one really in the mainstream cared. It's uh, it was the nineties. There was time for clacks and sexism.
2: Boy, I'm sure glad I don't remember any of that.
3: For what? Wait, what? Oh my god, it is the 90s and there is time for clacks makes me old now, really? I don't know what that means. I, it was the slogan to an arcade game.
2: I have no, I, I don't know what that is, but I don't know what a lot of things that are current are either.
3: Anyhow, there's still technically one track on this. Do we want to just put a bullet in this album? Yeah, the next song
1: is about penis. I got
0: a big cock. He's so damn big. I got a big cock.
2: my one thing to say about that is if somebody had just showed me that song i would have been like huh this is pretty ridiculous lol but putting it at the end of this like utter failure of a record it's like ah yeah, I don't even want to, l- want to laugh at this.
3: This is closer to what I thought Apple Pie Cowboy Toothpaste
1: was going to be.
2: Exactly.
1: So, I'm going to quickly describe this song. The song just goes, I, I have a chicken, but it's not a chicken. It's a big cock, and I have a cock for your mouth for about three minutes? Two. Two minutes. Good. Mm-hmm. good. They they, they they wouldn't dare bring this to three minutes. They knew... They, you know, they knew their limits. And my issue with it is that I love a good joke about penis. I think penises are inherently funny. The words that you can use to name them are funny. All the different euphemisms are funny. Their shape is funny. Flat shit penis? Hilarious. Just on itself. Just show me a picture of flat shit penis. That's really funny by itself. It's a really funny body part. I am totally on board with that particular genital part as being funny. Now, if you're gonna name a song the rooster song and then talk about penises, you are setting up a joke. It's a double entendre. You have to name something that would work for a piece of poultry or for your nominal penis. They just don't do that.
2: Like gravy that they talk about.
1: I guess, but 90% of it is just like, here, penis, fellatio. It's not, there's not an equivalence, or at least it's not a throughout equivalence, because when you talk about, like, a chicken in terms of a cock, I'm not thinking about food, because you you would just call that chicken. I'm thinking more of the animal. But they don't, they just give up. They're just like, penis. Penis, 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 <laughs> Ellie, penis, penis, penis.
2: If anybody else did a song that just went penis, 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 you'd think it was hilarious. Don't lie to yourself.
1: I would, but that because they don't set... That song would not set up an expectation of a double entendre. It right? wouldn't set up an expectation of a joke. This song does set up the expectation of a joke and then just gives up on it. And then it's just like... No, we're not doing that. We're not smart enough to come up with jokes. Which, I'll admit, is not that easy. I was trying to come up with a joke about penises and poultry for a sign-off, and I gave up, and I just wrote another thing. But, you know, you you are getting paid for this. You should put some effort in your penis jokes. This track is also very weird, because it's
3: 2.30. It has an opening intro skit? And then it closes out with at least the version I found, again, this was not on the band's own YouTube page, it closes out with someone going Hadouken, 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 over and over, over guitar strings being plucked. This is a very weird track. I don't know why it's on the album.
1: Maybe they're embarrassed by it, and that's why it's not on the page. I am surprised that they're not embarrassed by everything else in this album, to it's be cute. honest. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, they're embarrassed enough that there's a censored version up.
2: <laughs> they shouldn't have had that be a thing in the first place, then.
3: <laughs> it's a very weird way to go out. And I think that if this weren't here, I would be way madder about everything, but it's like... I'm just baffled as a result. Were they like 25 by this time? Yeah, uh, 23 to 25 from what math I could do. Okay, Yeah,
1: yeah. But they wrote this album three years later, so they were probably in their early 20s. That's still not okay.
3: Oh, right. Yeah, these were all written years early. Okay, okay. That's... All right, that math checks out a little
1: freshly over age or so. Yeah, all right. I mean, they still decided that all of these things were good enough to re-record as they were at the time, so... That was Phoenix TX! That was Phoenix TX by Phoenix TX! Ugh. Also known as River Phoenix by River Phoenix.
3: I still can't believe how stupid a move that was.
1: What do y'all think about this record? So far, we had like a bunch of punk bands from California, and now we have uh, Phoenix TX representing Texas. What do you think is the better strain of pop punk? Houston can keep it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's it. That's that's my whole statement. Adam, what do you think about this record?
2: No thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. It's not it's not cute. It's not catchy. It's not energetic. And as I mentioned, it hides its softfulness under a thick, thick layer of mediocrity. You listen to it and you think, oh, this is just mediocre because the the music is so like bland that doesn't make you think about the lyrics, but then when you look at the lyrics, you're like, wow. Wow. Wow.
3: Whoa. Yeah, I feel we definitely have to say, no one in this band is talented. The lyricist is definitely the worst at
1: their job. Hmm. Yeah. This is an extremely lower mediocre record. I think the one line about the 12-year-old just... Made me hate it way more than I would have without that line. If that line, if I listened to the censored version, I wouldn't have hated this as much as I do. That specific line, just the last drop, it just makes me no part of this thing. I mean, I hated that song and thought
3: it was the worst on the album on the rap break alone. You just took it to a level I didn't see coming, telling me that was there.
2: Yeah, the, this, no, bad.
1: Aren't you all glad that we're doing this podcast?
2: I need to sleep for a week to recover between episodes.
3: (laughs) I do not regret coming on board this show. I am having fun, but wow, this is so not
1: what I expected and good and terrible ways. I think the best, way to close this record is that i just noticed that this record is so unremarkable that on my notes i forgot to replace band record year with the name of the band and the year so we're i didn't know if that was intentional or not it wasn't i just forgot because this is extremely generic so we're officially talking about record by band published in
3: year this has been Untitled, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of track 1 through track 13.
1: Next episode, we'll talk about Sigur Rós and the uh, bracket, <laughs> bracket, record.
3: <laughs> Next week, the Mersbox.
1: Box. <laughs> that Sigur Rós record is still pretty good. Oh, yeah. I think that music has aged poorly, because I think, looking back at it, it's like a bit sappy. And not that great but that bracket bracket record is still like probably the best thing they've done. Do you want to feel old? Okay, try me. My first concert was the for the John C solo project by Sigur Rose that I ever went to. You know what? That does not make me feel as old
3: as I've never touched a disc.
1: Thanks for joining us in this harrowing experience. This has been Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop retrospective. You cannot listen to this record, first of all, which I would recommend. There will be a Spotify link because there always is, but you probably shouldn't listen to this record. It's horrible. But you can also go on our website, which is getoutofthis town.com, where you'll find all of our episodes, all our stuff, and so on and so on. You can Find us on Twitter at G-G-O-O-T-T podcast. You can email us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. You can ask us questions, give us comments, or whatever. Whatever you send to us, we'll probably read it on air if you want. Mind, there will be a month-ish delay between when you send us a thing and when we talk about it, because we are recording on a month delay but we'll get to it eventually, don't worry. We are very friendly with all of our fan base. So you can do all of these things, you can find us on iTunes where you can, you know, do the usual things, you can leave us a review, you can give us a nice rating, you can subscribe and so on. Do them, it helps.
3: Please do the needful for your favorite podcasters.
1: Next episode, we will talk about Something to Write Home About by the Get Up Kids. Again, this is not a record that charted, but it's a Important record for the genre, and I wanted to sprinkle in some emo, pop, and emo stuff the, between the big sea of Blink 182 clones that are the early 2000. So, you know, didn't chart that, but it's supposed to be a good record. So, hopefully, we'll get some recover from this thing. As a cure era goth, I look forward to this. Is there anything that you need to plug, Fletch? Not
3: at the moment, I just hope you enjoy our shows, and anything that I need to plug will probably go live along with the tweet about this episode.
1: Is there anything that you want to plug, Adam? Nope. Well, you can find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon, and if you want to support us, we don't have a Patreon, but we own a chain of therapists all over America, so please, if you're having relationship problems, come to us instead of starting a pop-punk band. <laughs> Good night.
3: See ya.
0: Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flake like a pop pumpkin. Get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your
1: image down. Let's terrify.